Acts 27. I think we'll read uh, from verse 9 this morning. And uh, we'll take a, we're actually going to look at both chapters 27 and 28, but we'll, we'll read from verse 9 here in just a minute. Um, all right, so a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of engagement. I want, for, this is also children, I want you to focus here because we're going to need your help. Your parents are not going to know nearly enough about this topic. We're going to need your help, okay? Who is your favorite superhero? Just shout her out. Shout him out. Who is it? Batman. Batman. Iron Man. Who? Okay. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Thank you. That was... Cole sounded just like a six-year-old girl. That was remarkably good. Captain Marvel. Who else? Spider-Man. Thank you, Luke. That's enough from you. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I do like Doctor Strange. All right. So why? Now think about this. Why is this person your favorite superhero? What what is it that draws you to that person? Why do we love why do we love Captain Marvel so much? Does anybody want to answer that question? What is Captain Marvel's superpower exactly? Pretty easy on the eyes. Sam, be quiet. <laughs> That is a superpower in many respects. She's kind of got all the things, doesn't she? Yes. Well, what about Batman? What is Batman's superpower exactly? A lot of money and a butler, as far as I can tell. Intelligence and wealth. Intelligence and wealth, yes. Yeah, that helps. Did anybody say, like, I'm going to go old-fashioned. Did anybody say Superman? No. Uh, <laughs> Nobody said Nobody said Superman at all. Yeah. Uh, lots of different powers, lots of different um, qualities, lots of different traits that all these different superheroes have. Um, but they all have one thing, I think, at least one thing. There are probably other things, but at least this thing. They all have this in common. When times are dark, they shine the brightest. When all hope appears to be lost, there's this superhero who, who shines and who is bright in this, in this very moment. Now, off and on, over the last several weeks, we have been reading through the book of Acts. I've, I've got about 15 sermons in the book of Acts over the last four or five months with you all being, being here. And um, if you read through the life of Paul, starting in Acts 9, and now we're going to come all the way to the end in verse 28... And if you just read through some of Paul's letters, like we've done today in our Confession of Faith, you, you, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you, no one would fault you if, you if you read through the life of Paul and you came to the conclusion that he was some type of superhero. Because Paul shines in very, very dark moments like we're going to read about today. But here's the thing that's weird about Paul. Paul is really like the antitype of a superhero. Because if you think about Captain Marvel, you think about Batman, you think about, you know, Superman, at least that's what I thought of because Christopher Reeve is always going to be Superman. 
Um, you think about that. Those superheroes, they have this superior power that's within them. They have this superior ability that's within them. They have this superior strength that's within them. They have some sort of knowledge that you and I can't have. But that's not true for Paul. Paul shines for no inherent reason except for what he says and believes about God. All of Paul's strength, all of his actions, all of his brightness is the result not of something that was within him, but something that's within somebody else, which makes Paul a humble hero. And I want to show you from the text what it, that means to be, what, to be a humble hero. So if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, I'm going to read verse 9 through 25. Okay, 9 through 25 to get at the gist of this story from Acts 27. By now much time had passed and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul, by the way, who was a prisoner, said. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete, but before long, a fierce wind called the Northeaster rushed down from the island, and since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, we began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. And finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now... I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only the ship. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men. Because I believe that God, I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for your patience reading through that long, fascinating narrative. So I want to show you today three traits of a humble hero. Three traits of a humble hero through this story. And the first trait is this. A humble hero is somebody who has utter confidence, not in their own abilities or their own skills, but who has utter confidence in the Word of God, in the Word of God. You can see this very clearly in verse 23. Look at verse 23. Paul said, uh, it says, For last night, Paul is speaking, an angel of the God I belong to, interesting phrase there, and I serve, 
stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all of those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. And that's a really profound statement. I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. And it's profound for two reasons. The first reason is that circumstances were really bad. (laughs) They were really bad. These guys were set in a harbor that they could not winter in. But they were also at a point in the season where it was too risky to sail. So they're stuck between this rock and a hard place. And they make this choice by consensus. You notice they take a vote and the majority think they should they should get out of this harbor, so they, they make their choice and they, and they end up in a storm where they're holding on for their lives. But eventually they come to this place in verse 20 where they all hope was fading that they could be saved. So you can feel the weight of that. So circumstances are incredibly dire. And so for Paul to say, take courage, men, take courage. I believe that what God says is actually true and that's what's going to happen When everything around them says the opposite, it is a challenge to believe and have confidence in God's word. So it's it's crazy that Paul would say this, but it's also crazy because Paul himself, back in verse 10, had looked at these circumstances very objectively and then concluded, yeah, this is really a bad spot. Like, go back in verse 10, Paul says, men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster, Heavy loss, not just of cargo, but also the ship and also our lives. So Paul had objectively looked at the circumstances in verse 10, and they had lived through the dire circumstances, almost all of them, uh, in verse 20. And when everything looked terrible, Paul, Paul gets a word from an angel speaking the words of the Lord to him. And Paul, despite what he had predicted himself and despite what he saw all around him, He believed God. He believed God. He had confidence in God's word to trump his read on the circumstances. He had confidence in God's word to trump his read of the circumstances. Which causes me to wonder if we actually believe in the word of God. If we actually have confidence in God's word. I wonder if we look at the circumstances of our lives and could say with Paul, I believe God that it's going to be the way he tells me it is going to be, not the way that I see it folding out to be. I wonder if we could be like Adam who named his wife and bore children with her because he believed the word of God when God said, you will have offspring who will one day crush the head of the serpent in Genesis 3. I wonder if we could be like Abraham who left everything because he believed God when God said, I will make you into a great nation and bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you in Genesis 12. I wonder if we could be like Joseph who never lost hope even though he was in Pharaoh's prison because he believed God when God said, you will be the greatest of your Brothers, I wonder if we could be like Moses who walked right into Pharaoh's throne room at risk of his own life and demanded he let the Jews go because he believed God when God said, I will lead you out of Egypt into the promised land. 
I wonder if we can believe God when he tells us he is our strength in Philippians 4. I wonder if we can believe God when he tells us that he will never leave us in Deuteronomy 31. I wonder, can we believe God when he tells us that he hears our prayers and that his very own son is interceding for us in John chapter 14? I wonder if we can believe God when he tells us that he will be our peace in John 14. I wonder if we can believe God's word or are we more interested in reading the tea leaves than the Bible's pages? I just, I wonder. This text makes me wonder because a biblical hero doesn't depend on his own inherent ability to read the situation. But he has confidence in what God says the circumstances will be. A humble hero has confidence in God's word. And secondly, the trait that I see from this text is that a humble hero lives boldly by God's Spirit. So his confidence in God's Word, but he lives boldly in God's Spirit. Belief in God's Word is often followed by boldness by God's Spirit. And I want you to see through the story how this boldness manifests itself. And you got in verse 22 and in verse 25, Paul says, take courage. Okay, so I'm equating those words, courage and boldness. And what did courage manifest itself to be In this story, look at that in verse 27. You can see this. So Paul says in verse 25, take courage, men, because I believe in God. So the result of belief and confidence in God's word here is courage. But what does courage look like? Verse 27, when the 14th night came, 14th night. Now let's do a little math, okay? Go back up, verse 19. Third day of the storm, they're throwing the tackle overboard. Verse 20, Many more days, no sun or stars. And now in verse 27, we're in the 14th night. Okay? So when courage is called for, when boldness is called for in the lives, that courage and that boldness manifested itself through the endurance of even more suffering that was leading them to fear. Courage and boldness and confidence in the Word of God was not the escape from drama, not the escape from bad circumstances, not the removal from things getting better. It was further endurance through the same circumstances that got them where they were. But it's different. Something's different in them. Something's different in their behavior than it was in the first 14 days. Something's different in their perspective. Because now that there's a promise that's been made, now that there's a belief in that promise, these men had courage and boldness, and that courage and boldness gave them something different. It gave them a sense of composure. It gave them poise. So if you look at all the circumstances that I get into in verses 27 and following and the rest of the chapter... Just, I want to read the text to you and just see if you can't hear the change in tone that Luke has in his writing of this story. See if you can't see the, a difference between all hope is lost and this, this text. Look at verse 27. 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea. And about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took their soundings, found it to be this deep, then this deep, then this deep. Some tried to escape in verse 30. Verse 33, when it was daylight, Paul urged them to take food. 
Verse 35, after he said these things, they took some bread. He gave thanks to God. Verse 36, they were encouraged. They took food themselves. Verse 38, when they'd eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard. And when daylight came, they did not recognize this land that they saw. And they sighted a bay with a beach, and they planned to run the ship ashore if they could. So they cut loose the anchors. They left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes that held the rudders, they hoisted the foresail to the wind, headed to the beach. They struck a sandbar. The bow jammed fast, remained immovable, and the ship began to break up. They were going to kill all the prisoners so that no one could swim away, but the centurion wanted to save Paul, which is cool. So everybody else got to live too. And so some folks swam, some folks jumped on the planks and debris from the ship, and everyone, praise the Lord, safely reached the shore. You know what's missing? There's a lot of weird stuff in this text. There's still a dire situation. It is not cool to get run aground on a sandbar and to have the waves battering your ship. It's not a great situation to be in a land that you don't know, right, and to, and to be there. Maybe it's better than being drifting out in the Adriatic Sea, but still the land that you don't recognize or understand. You have no idea where you are. You're completely lost. There's not a lot of really much better circumstances here, but you know what's not here? There's no all hope is lost. There's no... What do we do now? Instead, it's business, it's composure, it's poise, it's do what's right in front of you. That's the posture that Paul and others have. There is calm, there's cool, there's collection, there's composure, and there's action. It's because belief in what God had said led to courage and boldness in the face of difficulty, and that boldness manifested itself in the, in the form of poise, in the, not panic, but poise, which, which for me causes me to wonder if my belief in the confidence in the Word of God leads me to boldness. It causes me to wonder if I sometimes, this is what I was doing when I was reading the text, I, 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 I confuse courage and boldness to mean something wild and risky. Like, I'm not being bold and courageous unless I do something that is really silly and sane. But here, courage and boldness meant keep calm and press on. Do your job. Keep your poise. Do the best thing that you can do with what's right in front of you. That's what boldness and courage look like in this scenario. See, belief in God's word does require boldness and it requires courage to act. And sometimes that does mean a great deal of risk and and stepping out of our comfort zone. But sometimes boldness and courage results in poise and composure and just doing what you know what to do. But the circumstances around you and you think you're reading it right keep you from doing it. Sometimes boldness is just trusting God and doing what he's made you to do. So Paul is a humble hero. Paul is a humble hero. Superheroes draw on their own superior power, their own superior ability, their own strength, their own knowledge. But Paul, in this story, do you notice? He starts off as a prisoner and he ends up in charge. He's still a prisoner. But he's telling everybody what to do. He's inspiring everybody from his role. He doesn't have the title. 
of hero or leader in this social scenario. But he's leading. God's raised him up in his humility. He's a humble hero and he shines because he believed in God's word and he took courage, he believed in it, and he acted boldly and he inspired others to do the same. He's a humble hero. But heroes, even humble heroes, are not judged according to their attitude and they are not judged according to their intentions. And Paul had very good attitude and very good intentions in this story. Heroes are judged according to their results. We don't love heroes who lose. Heroes are judged according to their results. So what was the result of Paul's belief and his confidence? The answer is the glory of Jesus. Jesus got glory. That is the result of a humble hero who believes in the confidence of God's word and acts boldly and courageously as a result. And you can see this all through chapter 28. In the very first part of 28, the Lord protects Paul when he's bitten by a venomous snake. He's just collecting firewood. This is, I mean, you can't make this up. He's just collecting firewood. A viper, according to Luke, comes out and is hanging on his hand because he's, he's got a clutch grip. And he lets go and he doesn't, they're, they're watching him, expecting him to swell up, you know, like a balloon. And he doesn't. And so they just decide, he's a god. Who could survive that? But if we know Paul, he's had this problem before. He's walked around cities and healed people. And what did they start to do? Worship him. And what did he do in that moment? Don't worship me. You need to worship the one true God. So you know in this moment in Acts 28, Paul gets to glory in Jesus as a result. And later... The Lord uses Paul to heal all kinds of people on the island of Malta of all these illnesses. And because we've read the book of Acts, we know that in that moment, Paul doesn't soak in all this glory. He's a humble hero. He gives glory to Jesus and tells them about Jesus in this moment. And eventually, at the end of the chapter, Paul makes it to Rome, where the Lord promised he would get to. And Paul is allowed to live by himself with a Roman guard watching him. And if you read all through the rest of chapter 28, you'll see that Paul took all of his time to teach the scriptures, talk about Jesus. He was hospitable and served other people as they came to him in his house and his imprisonment. And for two years and more, Paul got to sit in, his, in a house guarded by a Roman soldier and spread the gospel through the city of Rome. Why? Because he had confidence in God's word and he had the courage and boldness to act on it, which led him to glory in Jesus. That is a humble hero. When Paul believed God's word and he acted with boldness and courage, the result was the spread of God's word and the glory of his son. This is because Jesus, not Paul, is the ultimate humble hero. It was Jesus who obeyed God's word to come into this world on a mission for you and me. It was Jesus who perfectly obeyed God's word from start to finish. It was Jesus who boldly, courageously, and resolutely turned his face to Jerusalem and the cross with complete poise and composure. It was Jesus who was the ultimate hero. Paul was a wonderful hero. A hero that we can look to as a model for our own humility and our and our heroic efforts in our faith, I want you to do that. 
But you and I need more than a model that we can emulate. We need someone who could actually be the perfect, humble hero on our behalf. Someone that God would look to for approval and pardon us. You and I can become more like the one we behold. To the extent that you and I preach the truth about Jesus to ourselves, we will become more like the one who gave his life for us. The perfect, humble hero who had confidence in God's word, went boldly to the cross, and got all the glory. Let's pray together. Lord, this is our, um, this is our response today. This is the call to respond. This, it is to recognize, humbly recognize, that while there's some degree of common sense And some degree of just wisdom, some degree of just history tends to repeat itself. There's some degree we can just look at the things that are going on in our lives and our world and draw very reasonable conclusions. And there's no, we don't want to disregard proverbial wisdom from the scripture. But we do want to acknowledge that we don't know many things. And that our ability to gauge circumstances and read the tea leaves as it were need never trump the Bible. That we should trust in the promises of Scripture, trust in who you are and what you were saying to us more than our ability to kind of figure out what's going on in our lives. And if we will do that, We will gain boldness. Give us boldness. Give us courage to respond and believe that. Which will often manifest itself, Lord, and just pressing on. Just keep going. It doesn't have to be anything radical. It doesn't have to be new. It doesn't have to be aggressive and out of nowhere. Just keep calm, poised, composed, doing the best with what's right in front of us. Lord, help us not to look at our circumstances and panic, but to look to you and have poise. And in doing so, may we, may we point the world like Paul did to the one who did that perfectly, who, who, who became, who was God, he became a man, he humbled himself all the way to the point of humanity, all the way to the point of dying a death that we deserved. We point a world to that by not not just through the preaching of it and the truth of it, but in modeling it in our own lives, demonstrating it to really be true. This is our prayer and our hope, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.